0: Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. Y'all can put your hands together. How many of you are thankful today? Amen. Amen. Well, we are thankful to the Lord, and we thankful that he is great and greatly to be praised. And we are honored and blessed to have a God um, who is a deliverer. How many of you know him as a deliverer? I'm talking monotone on purpose because sometimes you have to say extraordinary things in a low tone to see if you respond to my tone or the God I'm talking about. And so every now and then you have to test the, 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 the barometer of the congregation's thankful disposition towards the Lord because God has done too much for your little crazy self for when it's time to tell him thankful that you just pity pat or look up in the sky or don't even open your mouth. How dare you sit there in your seat and act like God has never been good to you? How dare you never open your mouth or ever clap your hands and tell him thankful? How, how dare you never open your mouth and give him the fruit of your lips and let him know that you're grateful for everything that he's done for you? If he's ever set you free, if he's ever delivered you, if he's ever, 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 ever brought you out, you should Amen, 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 amen. My prayer is that we wouldn't just be emotional, but that we would be ecstatically responsive to God's activity in our life by expressing ourselves through open worship. Um, Very little worship in the Bible was meditation during gatherings. The Bible said, I'll meditate on my bed. Hey, come on, <laughs> Amen, says. <laughs> he never said, I'll meditate in the sanctuary. In the sanctuary, he said, I'll come into your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it. <laughs> Somebody say, well, I think people shout because they want to be heard. Well, the Bible said the humble will hear it and be glad. Shouting ain't showing off. Shouting is honoring and lifting up the goodness of God. Well, we gonna get this, okay. You ain't gotta be, you ain't gotta be Pentecostal to give him glory. You just gotta be changed. Amen, amen, amen. Well, in the same spirit of worship, this month is Organ Donation Month. And it's very, very important because particularly among African Americans, um, we, we tend to not become uh, donors. And this is not to shame anyone. It's just, um, it's a very, very important piece of, of what um, we need to do in our community. Um, I can tell you biblically that you're gonna get all your stuff back when Jesus come back. So when nobody's in the hospital making you die so they can give your organs to another ethnicity, we got all kinds of urban legends. in in our community i know i ain't gonna get my because if i go in there and i just go in there for a cough somehow i'm gonna come out dead and my liver gonna be over in another part of town somewhere no um um no but um but god has given us the grace to be able to give it and when jesus christ come back everything that ate a piece of you in the grave is gonna vomit it back out And it's going to be reconstituted in a brand spanking new body even better. So my wife um, will be coming on 20 years and two days of having, not 20 years, 16 years, having gotten um, an organ uh, from someone in order for her to get, uh, unless God supernaturally heals, in order for her to get healed, somebody has to die with her blood type first. And so um, I encourage you that we've had people in here that had kidney transplant. We had a former member, got a lung transplant. God has a variety of ways in which he heals. Turn me down just a little bit. There's some whistling. And, 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 so, and so let's remember organ donation. You can go to the local DMV and tell them, add me on, add on the back of my driver's license, organ donor, and they will add that to your license. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet. We're in our last sermon in the Conquerors series. I won't even be long with you today. Um, I'm gonna be be nice and short. Somebody say nice and short. You know, short for me is 30 minutes, all right? So, uh, you know, so, 40 actually, but 30, 30 is short for me. We're gonna do about 30 today. Turn to Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. One, two, three read The first, the first service just start shouting, just off reading the verse, um, because somebody needs to hear this today. Today, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna talk about sin today. We've done that. Today is just a celebration of the fact that you're a conqueror. So today, all I wanna say, and all I want the title to be is they resting in the conqueror. Resting in the conqueror. Look at somebody next to you and say, neighbor, I don't know what you're going through. through, But the safest place in your life life is to rest rest in the conqueror. conqueror. Look at the person on the other side of you. Say, neighbor, neighbor, I don't know what you're going through. through, But I'm learning learning the fact fact that the safest place in the world world is to rest rest in in the conqueror. Father God, we thank you. We bless you. And we uh, come before you, knowing that you are not a God that abandons us. God, remind somebody today that you're with them and that you love them. Let the words of my mouth have power. Send fresh oil in Jesus' mighty name. Fill me and help the people of God. To be responsive to your word in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that? Said, Amen. 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 Um, because of three services, the elders said to me, "We want you to take Ubers. I, I, I'll be driving home, fall asleep at the wheel, all that." So they they're like, no, you take you take an Uber um, I'm back and forth to church on Sunday mornings, and you know my wife comes to second service. I um, I come, to, you know, I'm at all of them. I guess." and um (laughs) and um today uh, my 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 middle son came with me in in the in the uber and um we had a talkative uber today talkative uber driver you know um good conversation and i don't know how it ended up coming up but we um began just talking about illness and sickness and she was talking to me about that of course the gospel did come up and it got shared Um, but but, but in in the midst of the conversation talking about life, it's it's just interesting that your life and my life is constantly filled with all kinds of things that make you become selectively forgetful. You can go through things in life that can make you forget things that God has said to you and about you that you should never let your circumstance interrupt. See, life in the moment of pain, life in the moment of struggle, life in the moment of frustration, sometimes pain will make you forget truth. And so in light of my life, my wife has been through six or seven bouts with cancer and she's going through a need for a liver transplant. And every now and then, I I, I I have to remind myself that I'm a conqueror. Mm-hmm. It, it's it, Because it's easy to let what you're going through conquer you. Some of you are going through some things right now where you don't feel like you're a conqueror. The beautiful thing about being be, a believer is being reminded of these biblical truths are 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 triggers for you to know and be reminded of where you stand with god i'm by myself i'll amen myself and talk back to myself today i got my amens at the first service i'm good um i i i tell you it's it's interesting that as we are going through this crazy tumultuous season i don't feel it as much as i used to Mm -hmm. it's possible that you can be going through something absolutely tumultuous and you don't feel it like you used to, Uh, 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 and and, and I'll explain that later, but, but we come to a passage where Paul is parenthetically celebrating. Paul always parenthetically celebrates in a passage, but he begins by giving you what my Greek professor, my second year, third year Greek professor said. He called this, this is, if he would preach a gospel presentation, this would be the, all of the theological contours of what he would communicate if he would communicate the gospel to a group of people who he never visited. But he gave them the framework of this in such a powerful way. And it's probably, the, uh, the scholars call it the the, the, most, the most framed theological work in the New Testament of what is the gospel. Uh, but here we, we, we come to a passage that I think is very, very important, which brings me to my one and only point today. Um, if you are going to rest in the conqueror, number one and only point is you must recognize that God's love is best experienced in your worst moments in life. God's love for you is best experienced at your worst moments in life. Let's let's open the text a little bit. I'll take my time if you don't mind, because I'm ready to shout already. Verse 31, what then, are we to say about these things? Old translation says, what shall we say to these things? Now, in other words, what things is he talking about? Well, what he's about to say after this family of God is what his response is to what's been said. Before this is a communication of what's been said to come to this parenthetical pause. Every time in many of Paul's letters, he has a praise moment. In other words it's not enough to just get good information every now and then you 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 got to shout praise for the information that you're getting now you're not there yet but i hope you join me because i'm gonna shout whether you like it or not today because this is just pulpit therapy for me today if you will about me resting in the conqueror and if you're not resting yet maybe you'll rest by the end of this message but what's interesting in chapter one, we see that through general revelation, you can learn things about God just by looking at nature. The Bible says that, 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 that everybody shouldn't see the invisible attributes of God and what God is like just by stepping outside your house. As a matter of fact, when I see a palm tree leaning in the midst of a tornado and everything is, cars are tumbling, uh, uh, or houses are coming down and people are holding on barely and letting go and being drowned, the palm tree is planted and it's bending, but it's not breaking. And I can just look at the palm tree and say, oh, 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 I've seen myself just like that palm tree before. Where God was holding me in place and there was stuff that should have swept me away. But the might and power of God had just been me, but I didn't break. He goes, huh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Chapter two. Chapter two. Chapter two, he chapter two. He, he talks about the fact that the, the the person who thinks that they are all that God will use your own rubric to judge you to show that you didn't keep what you even believe is the law not just his law but then chapter 3 lets us know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God chapter 3 lets us know that by works of the law shall no flesh Be justified but then chapter 4 it takes a turn because then it begins building on the foundation of the fact that salvation is by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ and it talks about Abraham's faith being counted to him as righteousness and then in chapter 5 it begins to take a great turn it says we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ through one man Adam the first Adam sin came into the world but through the second Adam Jesus Christ uh, uh, eternal life is made available to men and so he begins overdosing us with grace overdosing us with grace to the point to let us know that there's nothing you can do to be saved but he gives a parenthetical justification or a dissertation or delimitation there that delimits that delimitation means should I sin that grace should abound in other words when you give somebody grace for real they think they're supposed to wild out but Paul says, may in the Greek, may it never be. In other words, grace should motivate you to act a fool. Grace should motivate you to live for the living God. But then chapter 6 begins, he begins to flesh out in chapter 6, what it looks like to live a sanctified and resurrected life. In other words, God saved you for a reason, therefore live in light of the reason that he saved you. Chapter 7, Paul begins to talk. Paul begins to talk about the reality of the struggle. He said, yeah, I'm resurrected, but sometimes I don't do everything that I'm supposed to do. And sometimes I will to do right, but I end up doing wrong. Sometimes I want to not go to the club. But I find myself getting jiggy with it. Paul says there are times where I don't want to puff, puff, pass. But the Bible says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. And then in chapter eight, Paul says, I can't take it no more. I'm just so excited. He said, For now, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love it with everything in my soul. So we come here to this parenthetical pause, and he says, What shall we say from everything from chapter one? to everything the chapter 8. What in the world should we say to these things? In other words, in every book there's a shout, just like in Ephesians 3.20, it says, now unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you can ask or think according to the power that's at work within you. In Philippians, it's a, also a parenthetical statement of praise where he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, everywhere there's a parenthetical praise, and so right now, Paul with his pen is practically pushing himself into God's presence, because right now we see purposefully in the scripture with the pen that he says what shall we say to these things in other words when you get saved it's shoutable but then he goes he says if God is for us who can be if God's done all that for me I don't know If anybody can do anything to me now this is what he's not saying he's not saying that people aren't trying to do anything to you what he's saying is they're trying but it doesn't win in the end okay let me see if we can make it plain Um, people will tell lies on you God is more than a lie people steal from you God is more than their theft People slander you, say stuff about you that's absolutely not true and they'll try to move it on and you'll feel it a little bit but guess what? God is more than it against you. People will gossip about you but God is more than that. People will oppose you to your face but God is uh, 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 come against that. They'll misunderstand you with the best attempts at being nice to them and they will still act a fool towards you but guess what family of God? If you know that God is more than the world against you, you ought to pray him for the fact that there's nothing that anyone can do to get in the way of the glorious reality of the beauty of the fact that if God is for you who can be against you somebody needs to hear that today that God is for you let me say it again because 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 many times difficult times make you doubt the forness of God and what you got to be careful is interpreting your situation or misinterpreting what's happening as the way God feels about you. Verse 32, it says, he did not even spare his own son, but offered up him for us all. How will he not also grant us everything? I like that. Because God is, the Bible is saying that God didn't withhold Jesus. What does that mean? See, 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 that's very important. God didn't withhold Jesus from us as an expression of his love towards us. In other words, the Bible says that God demonstrates his own love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot of people in our life that say they love us. Yeah. But when the transaction of what they want from us is complete, they disappear. But God's love is so strong that He not only listens, He not only flagrantly gives Himself to you, He gave the greatest. in the universe to you as a display of his awesome commitment he sent his only son to die on the cross for you on this on would, would any of you offer up your greatest family member for somebody else's life and was, was, was powerful about the beauty of being in the Lord Jesus Christ is that not only did God give his best to us and he flagrantly fouled us with the beauty of who Christ is, not only that, it says he will also give us everything. Yes. Now, to me, giving Christ was enough. Yes. But he upgrades it and it says not only will he give you Jesus, but everything that comes with Jesus comes to you. That's beautiful because now we get to experience the glorious beauty of the entirety of the kingdom. Most of us spend our lives running after stuff that we'll never get. But Christ died on the cross and broke the veil to give us everything that we'd ever get because of the beautiful glory and the beautiful power and the beautiful majesty of his riches. And I love this because this is the display of his grace. I love the way the old church in Sunday school used to describe grace by an acronym. They would say God's riches at Christ's expense. I I, I like that at Christ's expense we got grace. At Christ's expense, we got grace. In other words, his grace, which is his unmerited favor that we don't work for, we get to gloriously experience the glorious might of these riches that Christ bring because of his commitment to die on the cross for our sins. But in verse 33, it says, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Mm. Now, you got to understand there's somebody that the old church used to call Old slewfoot. He's Satan. The Bible says in Revelation 12:10 that he is the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses us day and night. That that means that Satan with a fleet of demonic lawyers constantly calls hearings to sue us so what he does is he said let's go we got a case against Jackie Richard and Shaquita Jojo and Junebug and he brings all of his resource, he has his lawyer library up here, and he has all of these different things up, and he comes before God, and he says, I'd like, uh, God, God, I, I want to, Yahweh, I'm here again, and I, he says, what you want, Satan? Well, I got some people um, that claim, they're the, the saying they're changed, but I got some accusations in this deal right here, and and, and, and he says, call your first witness, he said me. And he sits on a witness stand and he begins going off and naming all of these things that you did. They were prideful, they were adulterous, they were sexually wild, and they were centric. He just starts naming all of these things. And then Yahweh turns and says um, do, does, defen- does, uh, does the state rest? He says yes. He says is there anyone who will act as a defender on the behalf of them and then Jesus looks at God the Father and he says, God the Father says, well I call the defense attorney to the stand, my only son, the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus comes and he begins to present exhibit A, the book of life. Exhibit B, the book of deeds and the books, are he, Archangel Michael, go get the book of deeds. And the book of deeds is brought out and it's laid out before Yahweh. And he says, this is the record of every person's life and every person that just mentioned, let's pull out their record, which will be pulled out at the judgment. And the book is opened up and Jesus begins to turn through the pages. And he says, well, Father, every time I turn to a page where the offender says that there should be accusations. I don't see anything but red writing. So I motion and I find out that they've actually been acquitted. But not only have they been acquitted, their record has been fully expunged. Whenever the devil tries to bring accusations to heaven about your past, when the devil tries to bring accusations about how much drugs you did, when the devil tries to bring accusations about how many people you slept with, when the devil tries to bring accusations against how much porn you watched. When the devil tries to bring up how much taxes you lied on. Listen, Jesus Christ opens the book of deeds. It says, guess what? What you're bringing before me, I've already taken care of by my blood. So who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Let me tell you something, family of God. You never have to worry about your stuff catching up with you because the cross of Jesus Christ has already caught up with it. He justifies, he acquits, vindicates, declares righteous and the charges against you have been dropped. Verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God. Listen, and intercedes, not interceded, intercedes for you. Y'all going to get it in a second. What do we mean by that is we'll talk about that in a second. I want you to keep that in mind as we read this section. So in verse 35 it says, who can divorce or separate us from the love of God? So Paul begins to use situations as a litmus test, the worst things that you can go through. He puts up against God's love. He says, these are things that most people would say are reasons for God not to love you and for you not to love God. So he begins bringing up scenarios that would put God's commitment to you to the test. He says, can affliction, affliction of course, is mental, physical, and social, and economic adversity. Not only that, he asks, can distress, it means circumstantial constriction. Persecution is systemic hunting down of believers who trust in Jesus Christ. Famine is severe shortage. Um, Nakedness is being without adequate everything. And then danger from sword means people are after you to kill you. Please stay with me because don't forget that he intercedes. It says in verse 36, it says, as it is written, because you were you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. He's is re-quoting Psalm 44 verse 22, where the believers feel abandoned by God. And so what he's saying is, is we feel like everything in our life, God, is boxing us into the point where we feel like we are absolutely always being delivered over to death because we're constantly going through stuff that we do not want to go through. But Paul responds to that beautiful reality and says, no. In other words, don't get it twisted. And all these things stop right there. Underline in. He didn't say before or after. He says while you're in it. Don't, don't move past that preposition too fast. In other words, conquering isn't always deliverance. Conquering is best seen when God doesn't deliver but keeps you. Okay, come here David, in Psalm 4 verse 1, the Bible, he said, hear me when I cry O Lord for you have delivered me in my distress. Notice he didn't say you delivered me from it. How in the world can you still be going through the worst thing in your life and you get a sense of deliverance even though you're still inside of the situation that you don't even wanna be in in the first place that's because God's love is best seen when you're in your worst situation when you're at your worst state when you're at your most hellacious depression when your mind is leaving you and things aren't where they're supposed to be at that moment at that point is when God's love for you is at its best he's showing himself off by allowing you to be where you are but to still know that he loves you Oh my God, oh my God. God sometimes won't deliver you. And me and my wife feel that. We feel the lack of deliverance. But somehow we have a normal life still. Like sometimes I look at what we're going through and I said, I should be worse. I should be cursing and leaving and resigning from ministry because God knows I'm in ministry and know I need a fully healthy wife, but why in the world would you keep letting me go through all that you let me go through? But when you've been through something just a couple of times and God held on to you, you didn't hold on to him. You begin to learn how to begin to ask different questions when you suffer. You don't ask, why am I going through this now? You begin saying, God, what do you want to do? Because I know you finna show off and go jack crazy in the midst of everything that I'm going through. And I have a history of over and over and over again of you coming through in ways that we have never seen. I've seen you answer prayers, I've seen you close doors, and I've seen you open doors, and I've, I've done a whole bunch of things and I've never been forsaken. I gotta close this. God uh, says the text says we are more than conquerors. Why? Because he intercedes for us. Jesus is talking to God the Father about you. But it's initiated by you. Okay, see if I can make it plain. Bible says that all creation groans for the revelation of the sons of God. Then it says that when, we there are times in our life, in the earlier part of the passage around verse 27, where we groan. Okay, we'll get there. But then after that, it says that when we don't know how to pray as we ought, Ah, the Holy Spirit intercedes not through words but groans I'm about to be out your way so there are times when I'm going through where I don't know what to say sometimes I've prayed so much that I don't know how to say the same thing to God again and not knowing whether or not he's hearing me so every now and then I'm in my prayer closet And I don't have much to say, and I just say, "Mm." Holy Spirit says, okay. And he goes to God, the Son. And he says, "Mm." Jesus says, Father, what they said is they've been going through a whole lot of stuff, and they wonder, do you hear them? And then I say, oh. Then the Holy Spirit goes to Jesus and says, oh. And then Jesus says, God, their Son is out there. And they want him to come back and they don't even know how to pray about it again. They're asking you to release them. Then I say, oh God, oh, then the Holy Spirit goes to Jesus and says, oh, oh, and then Jesus says, God the Father, we need to affirm to them that we love them and that we're committed to them. And something on the inside begins to happen to you. What begins to happen to you is the Holy Spirit bears witness in your spirit that you're a child of God and I don't care what you're going through but every now and then when you can't pray for yourself when you don't know what to say all you got to do is say "Mm." if you don't know how to pray for your family members just say if you don't know what to do to get out of the situation you're in say oh God He knows how to interpret your groans to the Father and put words to which you can't even pray for yourself. I got to move. He says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creative thing will be able to separate you from the love of god that is in christ jesus I don't know who that was for today but some of you under the sound of my voice are getting love amnesia and God wants to remind you of his commitment to you every head by every eye close, I feel led to pray I want to pray for you if you're on the edge Thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.